0: Joy. If I'm frank with you all, that word is kind of difficult to say right now, yet alone experiencing, experience it. With all the division in our community, in our country, in our world, it's just hard to see it. We disagree over politics. We disagree over justice and equality. We disagree on whether to wear a mask, not wear a mask, get a vaccine, not get a vaccine. I remember what it was like, the biggest disagreement that I had to deal with was what your favorite sports team was. And it was, do you like Duke? Then I don't like you. And then there's this growing sense of grief that has been on the rise since last March. People are grieving the loss of loved ones. People are grieving the loss of jobs and financial stability. People are grieving the fact that we can't gather with our friends and our families the way we'd like to. Joy just seems so distant right now, even though we sit in the middle of the Advent season. This week, as I was preparing to talk about joy, I reflected back on a conversation that I had years ago with a friend named Leonard. While Leonard never graduated high school, he was one of the wisest people that I've ever had the privilege to call a friend. We would oftentimes have conversations Uh, about God, about music, about current events, while sipping on really bad cheap coffee or playing dominoes together around a table. In addition to being wise, Leonard was an extremely joyous person. Every morning as I would walk into my office um, and, and walk through the community center, Uh, from the organization that I was with there, I would see Leonard, and Leonard would burst into a room, and the first words out of his mouth would be, happy, happy Monday, if it were Monday, or happy, happy Tuesday, if it was Tuesday. And the rest of the week went on just like that. And honestly, there were times when Leonard's joy annoyed me. While I knew it was genuine, I didn't understand it. Leonard arrived in Austin following the, uh, the devastation that Hurricane Katrina left on the city of New Orleans. And while he barely escaped with his life, did, but he lost his wife, his sister, his home, his livelihood, And he also left a city, the only city that he had ever known, was brought to Austin. And when the relief and the aid ran dry, was told to fend for himself. And that wasn't the only loss that that Leonard had experienced in his life. In one of the conversations that we had, he shared with me that uh, his teenage son uh, lost his life Um, to violence um, during a crime. And if that alone wasn't enough to crush one's spirit, to crush one's joy, Leonard called the underside of a bridge home as he slept homeless each night. And while I knew, again, that that joy that he had was real, I could not grasp where it was coming from so much of what Leonard had had been taken from him. Leonard and I were having one of our morning conversations during a period where I had experienced a lot of loss. And I found that joy was really hard to come by in my own life. But as Leonard talked, joy was so apparent in his words, and in his actions, and his expressions, and it just really, really frustrated me because he had something that was so elusive to me during that time. And as the joy was just radiating from him, I lost it with him, and basically said, Leonard, everything has been taken from you. Where are you getting your joy? How are you content right now? And I still remember Leonard's answer. Leonard leaned back in his chair, and after a long pause, he looked at me, and he said, I guess I have joy because because I've come to grips that all of this is temporary. After that, I never questioned Leonard's joy again. All this, is temporary, might have been what the prophet Isaiah was alluding to in chapter 12 of his book. Projecting future things to come, he writes, "'In that day you will say, "'I will praise you, O Lord. "'Although you were angry with me, "'your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. "'Surely God is my salvation. "'I will trust and not be afraid.' The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. This passage was written to God's people during a time where one country was eroding the foundation of who they were as a people and another country was threatening exile upon them. They were a country who were suffering, partly because of their own sins, but they were still a country and a people that were longing for change. And so it's safe to say that I'm sure many of the people that Isaiah was writing to found it difficult to find joy in their circumstances. They were people looking for relief from their enemies and their oppressors. They longed for peace and justice, and all they had was a promise. In chapter 11 of Isaiah, the prophet points out that God's chosen people would soon have a Messiah. He writes, "'A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit.'" The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Isaiah points out that this man, this branch from the stump of Jesse, would judge with righteousness, would bring justice to the poor, and would slay the wicked. It was promised that he would bring peace and unite the people of Judah and Israel back together once again, drawing them for the four corners of the earth. And in him, God's chosen people would rise once again. One man would bring salvation to all of God's people. And they were told to wait. Jumping back to chapter 12, Isaiah continues this song of praise by writing, In that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing loud to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion." for great is the holy one of Israel among you in chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 the prophet is talking about the individual salvation that will come through this branch of Jesse but later in verses 3 or 4 through 6 the prophet points out that not only will this savior this messiah this branch of Jesse, brings salvation to the individual, but its impact will be found collectively in community, in the country, and around the world. One commentator wrote about this passage saying, there cannot be a transformed community without saved individuals, nor can there be saved individu- a saved individual who is not incorporated into the community. This statement, along with Isaiah's words, led me to believe that joy is best lived out in community. And maybe that the fullness of joy cannot be experienced apart from community. And here's my thinking in that. Too often, joy is associated with happiness. We associate joy with a single emotion, but joy transcends emotions. Sure, happiness and other emotions are byproducts of joy, but they aren't joy itself. In his book, Guide to Contentment, Archbishop Fulton Sheen wrote, joy is not the same as pleasure or happiness, A wicked and evil man may have pleasure, while an ordinary mortal is capable of being happy. Pleasure generally comes from things and is always through the senses. Happiness comes from humans through fellowship. Joy comes from loving God and neighbor. Pleasure is quick and violent like a flash of lightning. Joy is steady and abiding like a fixed star. Pleasure depends on external circumstances such as money, food, travel, etc. Joy is independent of them for it comes from a good conscience and a love of God. So what I think is being said here is that one can find joy even if they aren't experiencing happiness. And one can sit in joy, even during a period of sorrow. Hebrews chapter 12 seems to point this out as well, showing us that joy and happiness are not one in the same. Many of you are familiar with it. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. If joy is limited to us just in our happiness, that would mean that Jesus was happy about going to the cross. But when we read the account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we can see that he wasn't happy. He was full of sorrow and anguish. It was hard. There was no happiness in that moment, but he still, for the joy set before him, was willing to walk through it. His joy was in what was on the other side of that suffering. And what of joy is a contentment in what is to come, a longing of sorts for what only God can make right or a realization that while everything isn't right at this present moment, it will be so at some point because God will make it happen. I think this is where community comes in. I imagine that Jesus was only able to find joy in enduring the cross because he shared community with the Father and the Spirit, and even with his disciples. Maybe his divine nature needed community with the Father and the Spirit so he could understand how valuable the salvation that was to come is. And maybe he needed the community with his disciples to show him and give him joy in knowing what salvation was gonna provide all of humankind. He had that community, and he pushed with joy through the suffering. Oftentimes, uh, when we think about the Advent narrative, the Christmas story, when we think about Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the magi and the others, We imagine it to be a a time of great happiness and glee. And while that makes for a great children's presentation on a Christmas Eve service, I don't believe it went down exactly that way. Sure, each of them were obedient to the, the call that God had placed on their life. But with that, I'm sure there was still some heaviness that was overbearing as they were going into that. vision, it was the most heavy for Mary. In Luke 1, we're given the account of how the angel Gabriel visited Mary and, and, and said that she had favor with God and that she would give birth to Jesus. And, and while she questioned Gabriel, she still walked in obedience and she accepted her reality by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May it be, as you have said, that I don't imagine there was a lot of joy in that moment for Mary. She would have been facing a stigma of being a pregnant mom out of wedlock. She now would have the responsibility of carrying the Messiah. I'm sure she had all kinds of fears and emotions and anxiety surrounding I don't know what I'm getting into an experience that many mothers face as they are with child. And then how was she going to explain this to Joseph? I'm sure this was heavy for her. And I don't imagine she experienced joy when Gabriel first made his visit. I think she found that joy later and she found it through the help of someone else. In Luke 1, 39 through 45, we read the account of how Mary visits her relative, Elizabeth. And the passage says that as soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child that was in Elizabeth's womb jumped for joy. And at that time, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And through the Spirit, Elizabeth recognized the magnitude of the child that Mary was carrying. And in verse 44, Elizabeth says to Mary, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, my baby in my womb leaps for joy. So maybe for Mary, joy was experienced through an interaction with Elizabeth. Elizabeth's baby was in her womb, who later we come to find out was John the Baptist, and then the baby that was in her womb, Jesus. Maybe she was fully able to experience joy because it was shared with her in that moment. But we do know it was only after that experience that Mary said or gave us her song that we sang earlier. She said, my soul glorifies the Lord. In my spirit, rejoices in God, my savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servants. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Through the child that she was carrying, the completion of the promise made in Isaiah chapter 11 was being fulfilled. The root of Jesse was about to be born and the temporary suffering of God's people was coming to an end. For many of us during this Advent season, saying joy, experiencing joy is a difficult thing. We're struggling to find it because we're faced with loss and pain and it all feels overwhelming. If that's you, Maybe you're only going to be able to find your joy or first experience your joy by living in community with someone who has it. Like Christ, finding community in the Trinity and with his beloved disciples, it might be only through others that you'll be able to muster some joy while pushing through the suffering. Allow them to show you that it's worth it. And with that, do not feel the pressure to first have happiness before you have joy. And maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe like Leonard, joy just radiates from you. If that's you and you're the person who has made Nehemiah 810 your life verse, which reads, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Allow that joy that is your strength, that is within you, that comes from the Lord. Allow that to be shared with others who are just struggling to survive and are longing for joy right now. Remind them of what's to come. Remind them that all of this is just temporary. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Surprised by Joy, says, all joy reminds. It's never a possession, always a desire for something longer ago, further away, or still about to be. This morning, as you're looking for joy, be reminded that Christ was born he suffered the cross, was resurrected, and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. We've been given the Spirit, His Spirit, as we wait for His promised return. Find joy in knowing that while we all are simply sitting in the temporary, He will return and make all things new. This morning as uh, we conclude, um, on the screen will be four discussion questions. And what I want for us to do this morning, individually here, and then collectively with our families or our small groups later, is to think through these questions, to process these questions. So now individually, what, if anything, is keeping you from experiencing joy in this Advent season? Two, what is it that you are longing for that only God can provide? Three, who in your life exudes joy, and what, if anything, is keeping you from sharing in their joy? And four, Who is someone that you need to share your joy with and how can you share joy with them? So take a moment, process that here, whether it's in person or at home and think through those questions.